unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, coming up on this week's show, we're going to double up on the Jeffs. As we have back on the show, Jeff Sharon from the Black and Gold Banneret, also the public address announcer for UCF Sports. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Of course, one of the things we will be certain to talk to him about is the breaking news this afternoon of the passing of legendary NFL coach, coaching ranks, broadcaster, video games, John Madden. Uh, He passed away at the age of 85 today, just a few days after the all-Madden documentary aired on Fox on Christmas Day. Um, So, yeah, so this is a a tough punch to the gut for many as uh, his whole life devoted to football. As as we said, he was a great coach. whole generation doesn't know that. Great broadcasters, generation really doesn't know that either. And, of course, part of the EA Sports family, uh, making Madden football, uh, you know, really the, the the linchpin of all video games. So, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. This is definitely one of the biggest uh, names in all of professional football. John Madden passing the way at, at the age of eighty five. And we'll also be talking to Jeff about the uh, UCF win over the Florida Gators in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa last week, landmark win for the Knights and. Uh, Hey, the AAC has made it two in a row as Houston downed Auburn late in that bowl game that they played today. So, uh, hey, look at this. The American owns the SEC. All right, my pleasure to welcome back to the show from the Black and Gold Banneret and also the public address voice of UCF Sports. It's great to have Jeff Sharon back on the show. Jeff. Glad to have you here. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good to see you again. I hope uh, your holiday was a good one. Yes, and likewise, hope yours was as well. And uh, we will talk some UCF here momentarily, but obviously today's uh, uh, breaking news, the uh, death of John Madden at the age of 85. And, uh, you know, we're talking about a man who was a great football coach, won a Super Bowl, a legendary game analyst as a broadcaster, a commercial pitch man. Uh, and then, of course, his name, on the Madden Sports uh, football video. I mean, he could have put his, slapped his name on it and taken a check, but he wanted to make it great and as realistic as possible. Um, and Jerry Jones, of all people, had a had a tremendous uh, line that said that uh, John Madden lived the best football life, which I probably I couldn't agree more with that. So give me some thoughts uh, uh, in your uh, recollections of John Madden. You know, I first started following sports in 1990, 91, around that time. And uh, the NFL was the first sport that I followed. And when you grew up in that period of time, you know, you, you understand quickly. It's that the big game of the day was on CBS and it was Pat Summerall and John Madden. And, and the thing that amazed that, that, you know, about John Madden was that he was, more than a person he was he was a he was an idea and um it, you know he and not just lending his name to the video game which i think most people who you know in younger than my generation know him for um you know i'm fortunate enough to know that you know i i mean i knew the, the history of football and knew how great of a head coach he was with with the oakland raiders 
Um, and of course it goes without saying, you know, how, um, uh, you know, how, how not just great, but significant a figure he was in the growth of the NFL into the, into the cultural phenomenon that it is now through him being on CBS and then later Fox. You know, but, um, you know, when I, when I, you know, when I think of John Madden, I think of two things. I think of the word boom and, and I, or three things. I think of the word boom. I think of just the, the telestrator and how he would turn your television screen into a total mess with a great re- with a great pre- replay on the CBS sports chalkboard, as they would call it. Yes. And, and, and I would think of the phrase larger than life because he really was larger than life. I met him for a split second uh, in 2003. I was an intern for news 13 here in Orlando. And I was um, fortunate enough to be in the press box for you probably remember the legendary uh, Monday night football game between the Colts and the Bucks at Ray J. It was maybe Peyton Manning's greatest comeback ever. They were, I think the Colts were down 35, 14 with something like four minutes left, came back and tied the game and then went on to, I believe went on to win. And I arrived there with um, the reporter who I was with, 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 with channel 13 And um, and I get into the press box and I'd never been in the press box for an NFL game before in my life. And um, and you start seeing the various dignitaries make their way through the Ray J press box on their way to their respective areas. And I met Marv Albert because Marv was doing radio for Westwood one at the time. And then, you know, I see Al Michaels walk by and then I see John Madden. And he just happened to be walking by me as I was going to get like a, I don't know, a bottle of water or something. And I was, and I walked up and I, and I said, hi coach, very pleased to meet you. And I shook his hand and he had the biggest hand I'd ever shaken in my life. Like John Madden is an enormous, and, and he wasn't just a physically imposing large man. He was the way he just kind of lumbered about the press box. He just, he felt like a, larger than life person and was really kind to everyone stopped and shook everyone's hand and said, Hey, and all the writers and everybody, hi, how are you? You know, um, you know, had, had that big smile with those squinty eyes. And, and I thought, you know, gee, there's, there's a guy who brings a lot of joy, who, who enjoys bringing, bringing joy to other people through what he does. And uh, I was like, man, what, it must be awesome to be John Madden, right? <laughs> it must be really awesome to be John Madden. And, um, you know, just a, a cultural stable. There was the, and as growing up as a, as a young New York Giants fan, there was nothing better than four o'clock on the Sunday on turning on CBS and hearing Pat Summerall and John Madden from Giants Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I mean, it was, you know, against whoever it's, it, it was, uh, those are good times. So it's that, that, that takes me back. That takes me back to my youth and um, yeah. rest easy coach Madden. He was, uh, he, he, there aren't too many individuals who are bigger than the sport that they're associated with. He is big. John Madden was bigger than football in my yeah, I, opinion. Yeah. I would have to agree with that. And you, you also look at the fact he worked for all four major networks. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's, dude, that's, a, that's amazing. CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And no, one else can, no one else can say that. 
Yeah, and be spectacular at all four of them. You know, mm-hmm. they wanted him to be the marquee guy, and you know, when he works with Pat Summerall and and Al Michaels, and, you know, two legendary play-by-play guys who just happen to be the right blended mix with him too. I mean, he probably would have worked well with anybody, but but and, and he really did. You know, if you go back and look, there's there's a bunch of old clips. I, I'm I'm a nerd for old old. I say old, like '90s, '80s NFL games. Whenever they pop up on YouTube, I always, I always like check them out. You know, so it's great games I remember watching. But um, you know, there, there's there's a bunch of games where he worked with Vern Lundquist, Uncle yep. Vern, mm-hmm. on CBS, and it was great working with Vern. Um, in fact, when Summerall would do the U.S. Open for tennis for a couple of weeks, you know, Madden would work with Vern for a couple of weeks, and that was always a treat yep. to see. And uh, and way back in the day, he worked with. Um, uh, John, I think worked with, um, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Jack Buck, uh, on a couple of occasions. He did, he did that. They, they, were, show, he, they showed on NFL network. Like, uh, he worked with Dick Stockton. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, he, uh, he, he was, Vince Scully. Right. Yeah. Vince Scully was another one when, when CBS was trying to find the right pairing with him, you know, it was, there was Summerall and Brookshire and Tom Brookshire and, and they had John Madden, but they couldn't quite find the right mix. They put him with Buck. It didn't quite work. If they put him with um, uh, they, they put him with Vin and it didn't quite work. And and with Summerall, they found something. Yeah. And they became a uh, a real cultural phenomenon together. The two of them. Yeah. And you could also arguably say that Frank Caliendo is his career to John Madden. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could. That's, that's, that's what put Frank, Frank Caliendo's spot on Madden impersonation is what put Frank on the map, you know? Yeah. So, so we, we owe a lot of things that we associate with the national football league to John Madden um, more so than we think. And, and, and I, and, and I do encourage everyone, especially those of you who are young and only know him as the name on the on the video game, you know, go look up, you know, the history of John. I think Fo- didn't Fox just recently do a yeah, appreciation gonna, this past week, I think. Yeah, it was the all Madden uh, documentary that aired on Christmas Day. So just Christmas a few Day, days yeah. after um, just three days ago. Yeah. And uh, in what I got what I saw from that, because, you know, he had built a network studio at his home after retiring and would watch NFL games every Sunday. And during the documentary, you know, they would often flash the camera on him, you know, watching, you know, individuals speak about him. And you could just see the appreciation in his eyes when the camera would go on him. And it was just, I mean, it was hard not to tear up (laughs) watching that. And uh, uh, I know that's going to be available on streaming starting January 3rd. Hopefully they'll, re-air it before then um if they yeah, get a chance it's, it's, I, I, forget, I forget who has the super bowl this year is it fox it's a fox or nbc uh i have to look it up real quick but that seems yeah. like something that they would if it's if it's fox this year um that's definitely a that's they, definitely they, they would put that on before the super bowl definitely i would imagine yeah yeah so yeah that would be uh that would be something, but uh, yeah, it will be available on stream. I believe on ESPN Plus and Peacock is okay. Uh, good, yeah. Uh, NBC has the Super Bowl this year. Okay, so, well, so in, I, I guess we won't we won't get it uh, if it was because it was produced by Fox. That special, yeah. You know what? If I were Fox, I would add a goodwill. Just give it to him for the for the, for the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. And, and there's another thing I do. I do encourage everyone who's listening to it. If you go on YouTube and you search for the history of the NFL on television. 
It was from a while back, but they did it. The NFL films did a documentary and they had a good segment on Summerall and Madden that that kind of encapsulates, you know, how they brought the game to the living room, you know, and um, it's really good. Make sure you check it out. I'll see if I can find it and I'll send you the link. That'd be outstanding. Um, so Bay John Madden, rest in peace. And uh, let's get to the UCF and uh, big happenings last week as uh, yeah. the Knights take down the Gators and the Gasparilla Bowl or the Gasparilla Bowl, as those like to say around these parts. <laughs> uh, you know, can you put into context what this victory over the Gators means to the program? Well, it was, you know, as a fan and as someone who understands the history of UCF football, um, you know, it, this beating the Florida Gators is one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of people like, eh, I don't make such a big deal about it. Let me tell you something. It's a big deal to us old hats to beat the Florida Gators. It's a big freaking deal to beat the mighty Gators. Okay. You think about, you know, all the history that Florida's had, the national championships and, and, and even going back further than the fact that the, you know, Miami, Florida State and Florida, and Florida always kind of carried themselves a little higher up on their horse than Florida State and Miami did. You know, they stopped playing Miami in 87 because they just didn't like the fact that Miami was whooping them left and right. Um, and for UCF, I don't care what the records are. I don't care what happened with Florida season. Okay. This is Florida. They showed up for the game. It meant something to them. And for UCF to beat them as depleted as UCF was, was so satisfying <laughs> as a fan. It's, it's the day. It was the day you always knew could happen. Maybe one day it'll happen. We don't know quite possibly if the stars align and then it happens and you get a shot and you win the game. And it's amazing. This, this is the a most amazing stat. Andrea Adelson, I think put this out, put this out there and Mark Daniels tweeted it. UCF in the Gasparilla bowl was the first team from the state of Florida, not named Florida state or Miami to beat Florida in a football game. Since 1938. All right. Bonus points if you can guess which in-state school was the team that beat Florida in 1938. There was neither for By the way, Florida State was was an was a, was an all-girls school at the time. <laughs> it was not co-ed yet. Yes. All right. And that was uh, the first year. 38 was the first year that Miami and Florida played. The answer is the Stetson Hatters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> remarkable <All> right. yeah <laughs> 1938 the season over in 1938 and ucf was the first team other than florida state and florida uh, florida state and miami from the state of florida to beat the florida gators since then and it's it's an it's a remarkable remarkable moment for the program and you know uh, the the knights are it, it, you couple that with the same year you know bookending the year joining the big 12 beating Florida in the bowl game. What a, what a year for UCF. What a year for UCF as a program. Yeah. And you think about, you know, uh, the two prior meetings, you know, the, obviously the UCF football program was nowhere near what it is now. No, and, no not know, even the most recent one in 2006, it was the second year in conference USA. 
Um, Kevin Smith wasn't quite Kevin Smith yet, although he would be in short order. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you know, even though UCF was the the defending runners up in Conference USA, it was it was still uh, it, 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 UCF was still pretty much cannon fodder for UF at the time. The first meeting in '99, UCF was barely a one A team. Yeah. Um, you know, and still put twenty seven points on the board in Gainesville, but um, but this was this was different. This was on this this matchup was on different terms, and UCF got the win. Yeah. An amazing night. Amazing yeah. night. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, I know uh, you had tweeted, uh, and 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 many were, were in agreement with you on this when uh, uh, the broadcast was running the feature on Florida's interim coach uh, on the Ryan O'Keefe touchdown, which they yeah. barely caught. Uh, you know, you know that to me, you know, just shows that you know that's poor production, as as you mentioned. Um, but you you still get this little lack of respect from from the from from the four letter in some degree because you know to me they didn't know the significance of Brian O'Keefe flashing the peace sign the two sign yeah and listen I'm usually the first one to come to you know the network's defense because I've been on the other side of that and it's it's tough it's it, it is a really tough job for everybody the producers the broadcasters it, it is a runaway train all the time but I was really surprised that we didn't hear. I don't, I don't know if I mean, I don't know if I missed it or something. I was like, did we hear any mention of Otis Anderson in that telecast? I didn't see any. Um, and and look, I mean, it was a significant storyline that, you know, that um, that coach Knox, you know, it was coaching in a bowl game as an interim coach for the second time with a different program. But. As soon as UCF breaks the huddle, man, you got to dip out of that thing. I mean, and you got to know how long it is. And you got to, you know, you got to get out of that. And, you know, I was I was a little surprised at how it, it seemed like poorly prepared um, it, it, that that they were for this. And, um, you know, it's it's a bummer because, you know, this is, again, a, a significant moment. And they really, I think ESPN kind of, or that particular crew, not the network in particular, but, the, you know, that particular crew kind of missed a good opportunity to tell a pretty amazing story hmm. that was more than just an in-house UCF story. I mean, you know, the helmet, I mean, the helmet sticker, the, you know, the fact that, you know, two NFL teams honored Otis Anderson, mm-hmm. um, you know, including the Rams uh, in a major market. And, um, and, and that was, that was a pivotal moment in the game and they just missed it. And it was, it was, it was surprising to me, you know, I'll come to their defense every time, but, I'm, but I, that was one thing I'm like, you guys have got to nail that. And, yeah. and they just missed it. They just that was missed their, it. their version of a fumble more or less. Uh, well, that was, that, that, that was, an, that was an own goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and back to the game itself, you know, um, you know, Brian O'Keefe and he was actually my pick early before the season to be the breakout player for UCF this year. And, uh, you know, he did have a tremendous season. What a great game he had. And then you really see the importance of Isaiah Bowser and the toughness he brings to the offense. They were just a whole different team once they got him motoring in the second half. Yeah. I I mean, you know, Ryan obviously understandably won the most, uh, most valuable, most valuable player award. I think they call it sometimes, sometimes they call it the most valuable player. Sometimes they call it the most outstanding player. I, I think Ryan O'Keefe was certainly the most outstanding player mm-hmm. of the game, but to me, the most valuable player was Isaiah Bowser because 
you know, his experience, his excellent vision, um, his sneaky speed, um, just his overall, his overall, uh, you know, his patience as a runner, you know, when you have a guy like that, especially with that kind of size, you know, a, a good back like that will really help out your offensive line. Obviously an offensive, a back is only as good as the guys in front of him blocking, but sometimes, you know, as you know, a blocker or a good runner can help your blockers out too. And I think we saw that particularly in the second half, he was really patient. We saw a coach Herb hand on Twitter, offensive line coach for UCF was pumping out a couple of uh, uh, good clips from his film sessions. He was going back over the game and, and you really saw a lot of the intricacies of the Knights offensive line play and some of the things that he was putting up. If you look at his, if you look at coach hands, Twitter handle um, from a couple of days ago, you'll see it. There are some really, and you just watch the game from the offensive lines perspective and you just keep an eye on those five guys, man, they took it to Florida. Absolutely took it to an sec front seven um, in that second half. They, they, I mean, let's, let's, let's say they took an sec front and they wore them down and ground them to a pulp in the second Mm. half. And that was Fun to watch, really satisfying. It's not flashy. It's not the it's not the air raid putting up sixty some points and six hundred yards. Um, it's just a really satisfying beatdown is what I is what I I, I got from that. And um, and Isaiah is the perfect back for that. I hope we get another year out of him. I don't know if he's going to. He hasn't made a decision yet. Um, because, but, but he, you know, he has a lot to offer whoever comes in, um, whoever's in the pipeline after him as that big back to kind of teach them about how, you know, how Gus Malzahn's offense works for in that situation, you know, just being patient, having good vision, picking the holes and then hitting them hard. And uh, boy, has he been a joy to watch. It's a shame we didn't get the chance to see more of him this year because of the injury. Yeah. And of course, you mentioned, you know, great year for the program with the Big 12 and then culminating with the with the bowl win. How would you assess Gus Malzahn's first season? A plus. Think about this. Consider where UCF was after the Louisville game. All right. Injuries are not coaches faults. All right. But this this team looked beaten and battered after that game and still pulled together with a true freshman quarterback playing the last 10 games of the year, a nine and four record. All right. Second, third in the American behind Houston, who just beat Auburn today and Cincinnati, who's in the playoff. All right. Um, And won their bowl game in, in state against the team, and it's an in-state team that they had never beaten before. It's a phenomenal coaching job by Gus Malzahn to keep the roster together, to figure out a way to like Rubik's cube, this nine win year. And when you really think about it, even with everything that happened, they were two plays from basically being 10 and two. In the regular season, when you think about, you know, tough break against Louisville, that play doesn't, if that, you know, if, if Amari Johnson makes the catch, he's UCF's in field goal range, mm-hmm. right? 
At least you're going to overtime if Obarski misses, worst case scenario. We went back and looked at the play. I thought Amari would have scored. All right. It was a, it was a tough break. Now, even if somebody, even if the, the, if the pick wasn't brought all the way back, we still go to overtime. Mm-hmm. Right. And then against Navy, first start for your true freshman quarterback, and you have goal to go in the final minute, and you can't punch it in. So basically, you're two plays away from a 10-2 regular season. God knows what else would happen. Now, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? You know, if UCF wins the game against, against Louisville, is Dylan Gabriel playing the whole season? What happens? I don't know. But, you know, it, you know, it, my, my dad used to say, if ifs and buts and were, were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But, <laughs> um, but to, to pull this team together over the finish line at nine and four with a win over Florida in the bowl game, as good a job as Gus Malzahn has ever done anywhere and as good a job as any head coach has done for UCF in a season, given all the circumstances, what a coaching job by Gus Malzahn. Now imagine if he can, if UCF has a full complement of players and, and, and good injury luck. Right. And now imagine what happens. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch uh, moving forward. That's for sure. And of course, now yeah. we're in the midst of the basket. With his recruits, by the way. Yes, yes, that, that's also a very good point as well. Uh, we're in the midst of the basketball season. Uh, you know, so the Knights uh, ride an eight and two record uh, going into a big game Thursday night uh, against the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, this is the one that we've been looking forward to, right? You know, Juwan Howard and. Um, and, and, the, and the mighty Michigan Wolverines coming into town, you know, they're, they're receiving votes. You know, they're not as high as they were. I think they're ranked as high as what, Jeff? Five Thanks in so, the yeah. polls earlier this year. And they're mm-hmm. seven and four. They're off to a rough start. But this is still a really good team. This should be a, a tournament contender. We got a sold out game uh, at the arena. And um, this is a chance, you know, uh, as you know, we saw, you know, for UCF football, a, a big chance against a big audience in the bowl game against Florida, this is just as big a chance for Johnny Dawkins, team coming in eight and two facing Michigan and Juwan and Juwan Howard's team and all the guys they have, all the, all the five stars, all the all Americans and ESPN too. Um, man, this is going to be, this is a tremendous opportunity for this team. And I think they're in a good position to surprise some people, you know, that the defense has been so good for UCF, especially over the, um, over the games that they've been winning. But, you know, it, it, we've seen them win in a couple of different ways. We've seen them win with defense, you know, holding, uh, uh, you know, holding teams down. You know, I, what is it? They held Jacksonville or, or no, they held Bethune-Cookman to 45 points mm-hmm. um, at Temple. They held Temple in the conference opener in the sort of conference preview weekend to 48 and beat them by 17 points. And then they won it with offense. You know, they, they dropped 95 on Miami. They dropped 83 on North Carolina A&T. Um, that's part, that's one of the reasons why I love this team is that they can come at you in so many different ways. Um, it just depends on what, you know, Johnny Dawkins perceives you're going to do and he's going to, you know, if you're going to zig, he's going to zag and try and attack you that way. Um, there's no, they don't have to, the way UCF wins games is they don't have to do it in any one particular way. Right. They can, you know, they can beat you with the outside shot. They can beat you on the inside. And back is young has been um, has been a godsend. Yes. I think, you know, especially, you know, a true, 
rim protector, uh, the, the likes of which we have not seen since Taco Fall. And I think he's actually at this point even a better rim protector than Taco was even at Taco's peak, because remember Taco was still reliant on the fact that he was seven foot six. He wasn't really fleet of foot, you know, but you know, Mbake is, is a, is a real athlete with just tremendous anticipation. Um, you know, such a force back there. and, And he really helps the defense out a lot. And the one guy I'm really looking forward to, two guys I'm looking forward to seeing have big games against Michigan, Darius Perry, obviously the point guard. Um, You know, this is the kind of moment that he just lives for. Love watching that dude play in big spots. Um, And this feels like it's going to, this could be Brandon Mahan's big party. Um, I, you know, he's had some, he's had a couple really good games so far this year. He's had a couple games where he's really struggled shooting, but he's gotten to the line a couple times. Um, you know, to sort of even things out, but I feel like he's ready for a real explosion. Um, I can feel it and, and I can feel it coming. I hope it's against the Wolverines because that would be fun to watch if he goes off against Michigan. Yeah. You know, what impressed me about Mayhan is, you know, whether he's had a poor game or a really good game, he's out there after the game. Yeah. <laughs> working on his shot. That's, that's, Every that's day. impressive. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you want your seniors to do? Right. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he's been and he's really been uh, just a privilege to watch. You know, his best game this year, he had that 18 point game uh, at Temple. But, you know, and this is the part that I love about him. That's a season high, right? His two season high games, 18 points against Temple. He was five of 14 from the field, but seven to seven at the line. Mm-hmm. His second highest scoring game, he had 15 points in the game against Miami. He was two of seven at the field from the field, 10 of 10 at the line. So that tells you that, you know, if he's not having a good shooting night, you know what? I'm going to try and make it happen anyway by just getting to the line and, and, and scoring points that way. Um, and that's the other key for UCF. I think this year they've been really tremendous. At, you know, the free throw percentage as a team, 79%. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. And um, uh, boy, this is the the, the, the time is now uh, for the scene. And I don't want to and I don't want anyone to think like, you know, if UCF loses this game, that it's somehow a disappointment. It's not. Michigan's a very good team. They're favored in this game. Um, they should still come out of here with the win. But this is a this is a good opportunity for UCF and that with that television audience. Can you get. Can you get one against a big non-conference opponent? And I think what's really also big about this, you know, we lost the game against Florida State because of COVID. Um, I should say we lost if the game wasn't played. UCF didn't actually lose the game. The game right. wasn't played. But, um, but you know, and Florida State, even though they're kind of struggling right now, you still want to have one of those, you know, victories against the good, um, you know, power conference name opponent. And... You know, right now UCF does have one against Miami, but Miami's been struggling. I think this Michigan game becomes that much more important considering the Florida State game is not in there to help out the net ranking. Yeah. So, you know, this is uh, this is a a big moment to head into the new year, head into the full slate of conference play on a really, really high note. Yeah. And what's your assessment of the conference this year? I mean, this has become a really good basketball league, Uh, you know, but the Knights look like they're going to be maybe in the mix. The truth is the conference is kind of down right now. 
Um, yeah, we have Houston and Cincinnati at double figure wins. Uh, you know, ECU and SMU are, are, are there at nine and three. And, you know, Wichita has gotten off to a good start. But after that, like the bottom of the conference is really rough. Like Memphis is just having a bad year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much longer this Penny Hardaway thing is going to work. Uh, it, it just seems like that whole program is in disarray. Tulsa, you know, we saw how good they were last year. They're middling around 500. Um, you know, Temple didn't look so hot. South Florida, I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, it, when we when we head into, you know, and and to be honest with you, some of these, um, you know, some of what we've seen from uh, the teams even at, up at the top is a little bit of fool's gold. Uh, you know, Houston and Cincinnati have not played very strong schedules, I don't think. So, um, you know, this is a, this this year, I think, is an opportunity for UCF to make some serious noise in the American. You know, we haven't won the American Athletic Conference. You know, we haven't UCF has not won a conference um, tournament championship since the A Sundays. Um, mm-hmm. This is as good a chance as any for UCF to make some noise and and possibly win a conference championship. You know, they have the depth, they have the skill. They have the free throw shooting. Um, they have the interior exterior play. Um, they can do it if the car, if everything pulls together. Now there's a lot of things that are outside of your control that can happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it's, and this is where I, I, I always try to caution fans, you know, basketball is not football. Okay. I think we do a little too much of applying the football mindset and the football mentality to the basketball team. And that's not right. You know, a a basketball team takes time to develop. It takes a season to develop. If you lose one game, you know, it is not the end of the world. You don't all of a sudden stink. I'm sorry. It's, (laughs) it, it, it takes um, you know, your season is not over. It's you're going to lose games, especially on the road. Um, you know, and, and, but the question is, can you steal a couple on the road? Do you protect your home court? Do you play, do, do you peak at the right time, which is at the end of the season? That's where you want to be playing your best basketball. Um, and that takes a while to pull together. So, um, you know, it, it's a long season. It is a really long season, but I, I like where we are right now. And UCF has as good a shot as anybody in this conference. Yeah, that'd be fun to watch for sure. And uh, so a couple weeks ago, I'm watching my Cowboys play your Giants. And the big question that struck my mind <clears throat> was, how does Mike Glennon still hold a roster spot in the NFL and Blake. I thought you were going to, I thought you, I thought you were going to say, why am I watching this game? (laughs) Cause that was the question I was asking myself. Why am I watching this? That was a secondary question, but how does Mike Glennon have a roster spot in the NFL and Blake Bortles, albeit he got an emergency signed by the saints can't stick in the NFL. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of scouting, you know, um, Certain teams like certain kinds of guys. Um, Giants paid Mike Glennon, unfortunately, a rather sizable sum of money to back up Daniel Jones and got precisely none of it in return from when Daniel Jones got hurt. But um, so bad, in fact, that now they're relying on Jake Fromm for the rest of the year and for you Georgia fans out there. But um 
the Giants are just a mess. Uh, there's no there's no two ways about it. Um, Dave Gettleman is apparently going to retire at the end of the season, not a moment too soon. But the mayor, uh, the mayors have already said that they will retain Joe Judge for next year. Um, they said they would retain Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. I actually think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I, I you know, and I think we've seen you know, quite a bit of it, you know, this year. I think he's actually really improved. It's just that offensive line is terrible. And, you know, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's hard to throw when you're sitting on your back, but um, you know, I, I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback and you can win with Daniel Jones. I don't, I am not hundred percent convinced you can win with Joe judge. I am not. And, and the truth is the giants owner, the, this falls entirely on the ownership because they keep trying to run it back with another, you know, guy from the Parcells Belichick tree. Okay. And, you know, oh, you know, you know, Gettleman was there for a long time, you know, working hand in hand with, you know, initially Ernie Accorzi and, um, you know, and then, um, and, uh, and, and Tom Coughlin, but, um, and Jerry Reese, who came, who, who took over for, um, who took over for Ernie Accorsi when Ernie retired. But, you know, uh, those old guys, you know, you can't keep running it back at some point, you know, you need to get new blood in there and you need to get someone from the outside to say, Hey, this is not the way it's to get new blood in here and figure out a way to win in 2021. And I fear that they're going to pull another Belichick disciple off the, off the shelf, you know, some former scout, you know, or assistant GM or God forbid, Scott Pioli and, and try and run it back again. And I'm like, guys, no, you, as a fan, it's like you have, we have got to get some new blood in here to fix this thing. They have blown so much talent over the last five years. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. And someone has got to get into, into, into the Mara's office and say, we need to, we need to blow this thing up and start over because it's not working. We're not going to be able to run it back with the same old guys over and over again. Yeah. And, and you, and you already handcuff whoever the next GM is going to be right. by keeping the coach. <laughs> right. What are you doing? Like, if you're going to, if you're going to really start over, you got to start over, you know, hire the new GM and then you tell, and then you tell him, listen, you don't hand him the head coach and say, this is your coach for next year. You say, you do whatever you want with the coach. You want to get rid of him? Fine. We'll pay him the buyout money, but you got to give your genius. There has to be, there has to be complete buy-in from the owner, general manager, head coach, and quarterback. There has to be like a, basically a direct line between those four positions. And if you don't have that, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, there's always going to be somebody jockeying for position or, 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 you know, something is not going to work. And it's, it starts at that, it, at that point. And, and right now the giants are just trying to, Oh, well, we'll try and see if this works. You know, maybe, maybe that two day old fishes will work in this broth, you know? No, <laughs> sorry. Start over. 
yeah. hit the reset button. Yeah. And, you know, and not just with Daniel Jones having, you know, problems staying healthy, you know, Saquon Barkley with enormous talent. That was an amazing one handed catch of the screen pass he had in the Cowboy game. Amazing. Uh, just but, catching but look, the end of the ball. But his car is always in the shop. <laughs> but look, yeah, but look, well, look, no wonder it's always in the shop. How many how many times has he been blown up in the backfield because he's got some some unblocked guy blowing him up? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, you said it yourself. Daniel Jones is also hurt. Well, what's the one thing in common? They can't they can't. There's no offensive line there. The, the, when the Giants won Super Bowls in the 80 in, in the 86, 90 era and then that 2007, 2011 era, they had consistent offensive line play. From those guys, they built from the offensive line out. And they just don't have that right now. And it's just baffling to me. It's then, then I come in here and I, and I see somebody saying, you know, maybe the Giants should trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that'll solve the problem. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? You're going to you're going to trade away Daniel Jones for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's basically Daniel Jones, but seven years older. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, that's, uh, that was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that. I saw that one floated out there, too. And it's like, OK, nice, nice try. Um, well, we're near the end of the uh, end of the program. So uh, coming near the end of the year as well. Uh, yeah. Would you, you have a favorite moment from 2021 that uh, springs to mind? Well, the Gasparilla Bowl has to be it, I think. Um, you know, there there have been so many. Um, you know, but I, you know, Tim, for me, you know, and I say this personally too, but also I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not alone in this. I think 2021 was harder than 2020 because we spent a lot of, you know, I think 2020 we were like we kind of battened down the hatches. We're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna weather the storm here with COVID, and. You know, when the, you know, when the, when we open up the doors and climb into the dawn in 2021, you know, the world will be back as it is. Well, it turns out it wasn't. And it was a lot more messy than we thought. And, um, and, you know, we're still, now we're fighting off this new wave with, um, with, uh, with the Omicron variant. And it's, and it's been tough, Um, you know, and, you know, I don't know what the future is going to hold in store. Um you know, for 2022, but, you know, for me, 2021, you know, I personally, that win over Florida was so satisfying to head into the the Christmas holiday, you know, woke up on Christmas Eve, the sun was out. It was so bright and sunny. It was nice and cool. And I was like, wow, the birds are chirping, you know, it, it was, it was sunshine and rainbows. And I was like, I was like, the air just smells a little sweeter today. <laughs> and it's like, this is how you want to go into the new year, right? Feeling like this. And I was like, you know, something that that moment, I think, meant a lot, you know, as, you know, as someone who works for UCF, as someone who covers UCF, as someone who's a fan, um, it just, it was, it was so joyful. It was a joyful time. And, you know, I hope that that is a harbinger of things to come. Uh, in 2022, you never know. Um, you know, we've been thinking that we've been waiting for something good to happen for a while in turn, but you know, maybe, you know, maybe this was it. Maybe this was the turnaround that, that this was the moment that was like, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming car. It's, it's a, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it really is the, it really is daylight. So. Yes. I, 
I enjoyed wearing my uh, my UCF gear going to Publix the very next day. Oh, and, knowing, and, and knowing that there were not going to be was, any people in Gator gear. <laughs> I, I was wearing, dude, I was obnoxious about it. I was wearing my Citronauts hat the next day. I had to go in. I had to get some. I had to get some stuff. I was wearing my Citronauts hat. I was wearing my I was wearing a UCF T-shirt. I was wearing a UCF. I, I, I love like techie pullovers. You know, I was wearing a techie UCF pullover. I had some some old basketball shorts from when I worked in the athletic department, some UCF basketball shorts I was wearing because, you know, I was still, you know, I was still a little bit hobbled at that time. I'm feeling a lot better now. But, you know, I even had my UCF socks on. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm playing this up, man. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I'm out here repping UCI. I don't care who knows it, man. I, I am having a blast today. This is my day and you're not taking it away from me. I don't care what any of you people say. This is uh, it was it was great. And uh, gosh, it's great to be a UCF night. I'll tell you yeah, that. Absolutely. For sure. And of course, uh, you'll be in the house uh, for, for for basketball with Michigan. Uh, yes. With the with the with the rocking arena going on. And uh, if you would. Uh, Please make some shameless plugs for your uh, your endeavors. Well, you can follow me on Twitter, Jeff underscore Sharon. Um, and you can also follow, um, you know, my uh, my uh, work with uh, Black and Gold Banneret at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. UCF Banneret underscore SBN. And if you followed us on our old handle, we had to start up this new handle because Twitter stinks. So... <laughs> We had something like Jeff, you know, we had something like 2000 followers, you know, really pretty and, and continuing to build on UCF underscore banneret. But then they screwed up and suspended our account. I've been trying to get back with them constantly um, to try and fix it. And they're just dragging their feet on it. So if you think you follow black and gold banneret on Twitter already, you probably don't. So follow UCF banneret underscore SBN on Twitter um, for all the latest on, uh, on UCF news. And um, as we head into that big Michigan game on uh, Thursday night, we'll be expanding with basketball coverage. Both men's and women's teams are doing well and we'll have the spring sports coming up too um, with uh, softball, baseball, uh, track and field is looking to have a really good year. We're looking forward to that. Um, and, uh, and we're also looking forward to seeing uh, what else comes our way with, you know, another uh, with uh, the actual national signing day on in February um, heading into spring football. You know, what's the quarterback situation going to be like for UCF? There's just a lot of stuff coming. Um, the spring is actually our busiest time on Black and Gold Banneret. So UCF Banneret underscore SBN on Twitter is where you want to look. Outstanding. And of course, you know, that's uh, one of the other great things that I love about the UCF community it is the UCF podcast community you know oh, i yeah. do stuff with nightline sports network you know the sons of ucf and you know we guys all kind of mixed together here and there and, and it's always great because you know yeah there's uh, plenty of cross-pollination which i enjoy because <laughs> you know i get to talk with you guys about it and talk about you know stuff outside of ucf which is fun too you know so yeah so um and i appreciate you having me on again so it's it's always it's always good to talk with you and and to and you know, it's, unfortunately, we did have to talk about the Giants, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> well, one day you'll get to talk about them being good again. <laughs> How soon that'll be, we don't know, but one yeah, day. <laughs> and, 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 I don't know. Maybe uh, you know, if if I, what happens first, you know, does UCF win the Big Twelve or do the Giants win the NFC East? I don't know. 
you know, it's, it's but you'd be happy be either way. <laughs> that would be that would be an interesting prop bet, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right, a trip to Vegas in store for us. There you go. Yes, Jeff right, Sharon, go. thank you very much, man. As always, I appreciate it. Good seeing you, Jeff. Thanks again. Have a great holiday. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. And we'll be back to close out with a TV theme right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon. Weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com because class is always in session around here. Virus or no virus. And that is the theme from What's Happening that aired on ABC from August 1976 to April 1979. It actually premiered as a summer series and had good ratings and reviews. And uh, because of the failure of other series on the network, it returned as a weekly series in November of 76 for its uh, rest of its run. And uh, What's Happening was loosely based on the Eric Monte penned Cooley High and uh, a sequel series called What's Happening Now aired from 1985 to 1988 in first-run syndication. Most of the major cast members reprised their roles for that. What's Happening follows the lives of three working-class African-American teens living in Los Angeles in the neighborhood of Watts, starring Ernest Thomas as Roger Raj Thomas, Haywood Nelson as Dwayne Nelson, hey, 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 and Fred Berry as Rerun, and also on the... Uh, the roster were uh, Daniel Spencer as Roger's younger sister, Dee, who was the uh, wise-cracking smart aleck who liked to bribe her brother and friends. Shirley Hemphill as Shirley Wilson, a waitress at Rob's place, and Abel King as Roger and Dee's mother, Mabel. So that is our theme. What's happening? Uh, again, uh, one of the classic uh, 1970s sitcoms and also uh, sitcom of the 1980s as well. That uh, ruffling here in the background, the new kitties, Abby and Ziva. Of course, now they're quiet when I want them to make noise. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks again for listening. As always, I do very much appreciate it. And uh, uh, as we head into a brand new year, I wish you all the all the health and happiness and uh, and that the coming year will be great for each and every one of you. Let's have it a great 2022 and with that we are done here thanks for listening to jeff allen sports talk follow jeff on twitter at jeff allen underscore 88 on facebook at jeff allen 88 and the website jeff allen sports talk.com and you can reach out to the show anytime by email jeff allen sports talk at gmail.com 
Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.